So I just thought, I need a hook that basically says, you're not going to have all the answers. You, you don't know, but you've got to just trust that life works out and trust that things are going to work out in the future. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. Our guest today oozes freedom out of every pore. I was on his podcast, I don't know, a month or so ago. And when I was on his podcast, I had several people tell me, you were on his podcast? He is a legend. His podcast is called Join Up Dots. Of course, I'm talking about David Ralph. I want to talk about that podcast, but I also want to talk about his journey to freedom. One of the things that just floored me was the fact that he doesn't have a smartphone, checks his email about once a week, relies on the podcast, doesn't do all those bells and whistles things in terms of cutting videos of his podcast and putting the videos out there to promote it. And he still gets a ton of listeners and clients through his podcast. Folks, that is freedom. Please join me in welcoming David Ralph. David, oh, how I you like doing? the way you did that, please. Yes, yes. You, you, you brought me in. Um, thank you so much. It's an absolute delight to be here with you again, Kurt, because, yeah, it was one of those connections. People always ask me through my show, who is your favourite guest, you know? And you think, oh, God, I can't think of. But actually, when I was talking to you, one of the things that I always say to the guests is, let's let's try to create a vibe that is you and me in a bar late at night. Um, and some guests, I think to myself, thank God I wasn't in a bar with them late at night. <laughs> Right. Um, but with yourself, I was thinking late at night, afternoon, morning, whenever he wants to start drinking, I will be there. Well, I appreciate it. We're going to be in London in, uh, well, I don't know when this is going to air, but we're going to be there a family trip to London. I know you're outside of London, but if you happen to be in London and we'll talk offline, we'll be there for about a week in December. Yeah, sounds great. Um, so join up dots. I love the premise of the name of the podcast, which has to do with that Steve Jobs quote about connecting the dots. You can't connect them forward. You can only connect them going backward. And when I was on your show, you know, I had heard that before and it stood around in my head and bounced around in my head. It's one of those things you hear and then you're out for a walk and you think about it. And you're like, what did he mean? What did he mean? And over the last month and a half, I've really gotten into more meditation affirmations every day. And, you know, whether you go back to Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich and, and some of these things and really into the visualization and repetition of where you want to go. And it's almost to me making the vision of where you want to be in five years or 10 years, an actual place, a real thing. And it is on a frequency in your mind and then connecting, connecting the dots backward and doing it that way. So can you tell me your journey into how that quote had an impact on you and led to where you are today. Yeah, I, I will do. And I, I'll just sort of talk about what you were saying there because it, it's fascinating because when I started Join Up Dots, it was very much, and I've got it in front of me here and I have to, even though I say it on every show and my kids can say it, I still have to read it. Um, and it, I always say, please come back again when you have more dots to join up because I believe that by joining up the dots and connecting our pasts, it's the best way to build our futures. Okay, because what I realized in the early days was there was so much to life that I wanted to escape from. But more often than not, it wasn't actually the stuff that I was doing. 
Um, so when we go to work and we go, oh, God, I hate this job. Oh, it's driving me. Normally, it's a rubbish boss or it's a bad commute or it's uh, bad hours. It's kind of a lot of things, but it's not actually what you do. So when I decided to join up Dots and I quit, I used to be a trainer and a developer. So I used to sort of stand up doing presentations and courses and all that kind of stuff and basically public speaking. And so I started and the last thing I wanted to do was training, development, and public speaking, because I'd done that. And as I proceeded through, those words became more and more relevant to me, because I realized that actually, your past becomes your future, you take the good stuff from your past, and then you project it into the future, and it becomes stepping stones. So you can either look at that speech that Steve says about, you know, you can only see your future by connecting the dots or join up dots, as I said. Um, Or you can say, how do I take what I'm doing now, but I love and make those into stepping stones going forward. And once that came into my head, it spun spun round. And I, I wobbled for a while because I don't want to do that. I've done it. That was my past. But past, future, middle bit, whatever, it's you. And if you've learned enough in your life to be really good at doing that thing, more often than not, somebody's going to pay you to do that thing. So find a way of making that thing enjoyable, even if you didn't like all the rest of it, and then you're on your way. So I started Join Up Dots with a belief that a lot of podcasts out there lack a hook. They lack something. Every When I started in 2014, everything was on fire. You had students on fire, postmen's on fire, entrepreneurs on fire, everything was on fire. And I thought, right, the last thing that I'm going to do is anything that is about the moment, being really sort of passionate because hustle and grind and all that kind of stuff can actually bring you down, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So I just thought I need a hook that basically says, you're not going to have all the answers. You, you don't know, but you've got to just trust that life works out and trust that things are going to work out in the future. And uh, I remember reading that speech by Steve Jobs and it came into my head and I thought, I think that's it. Now, I didn't think for a moment that every time I do it, people say to me, oh, I heard that the other day or I've got that on my fridge or I think about that a lot. I didn't realise it was such a powerful speech, but... That's where it all came together. So you, you'll be aware, listeners, and Kurt, I'm not known for my brevity. So when he asks a question, 15 minutes, I'm trying to wrap it up. But that's basically where we got to. Buckle up. When, when I ask a question, buckle in. Yes. Um, so something you said is, you, you know, you, you just have to trust that it's all going to work out. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the power of belief and the energy you put out and getting it back. And, you know, for years, and I didn't quite know how to put my finger on it. And it sounded hokey, even though I'd say it is that when I had my PR and ad agency, I could be sure to get a new client and have money come in if I went on vacation. Now I would almost say it as a bad thing because it would (laughs) sometimes ruin my vacation. But I, I always said there's something in the universe that when I relax and I go out there and I relax and I'm not tense and I'm not, uh, you know, so uh, tensed up and stressed about money, that's when money comes to me. Mm. And, you know, that power of belief, I've come to truly believe in that when I'm stressed and I think about, gosh, I need money. I have to make money to pay the bills. It doesn't come in. When I sit there and I, and I relax and I have more of an abundance mindset of, all right, great. And I, and I visualize where I want to go. And then you say, 
you know, trust that it's all going to work out. And I know there's people listening who are like, well, that's easy for them to say they have money. Just trust. It's all going to work out. Um, what do you say to someone like that? Who says that, you know, to trust that work out, you know, that's hokum. That's just, you know, that, that's just prayer. <laughs> well, they're right. It is hokum. It is prayer. <laughs> and without action, then these things don't work. So I, I'm a believer in the law of attraction to a point, but the law of attraction is a secondary rule. It's it's the basically the law of frequency or vibration, which is the number one. So right, if you're sitting right. there going, oh, life is rubbish, life is this, I guarantee life will be rubbish because you'll be surrounded by people that are telling you it's rubbish, you believe in it. But the more you kind of go... Life is great. Life's amazing. And everything you put out to the world is great. 50% of the people hate you because it's so different from them. But 50% of them really like you. And then you're sort of up and running. Now, I remember seeing Paul McCartney. Um, he's quite famous. He's done all right for himself. And who is it? I don't know who that is. Yeah, I know. He, he's got <laughs> a, a, a four, four-piece combo that are that doing bar mitzvahs and, uh, and stuff all over the place. <laughs> and he was talking about the Beatles' early days when they were going around really rubbish dives and they were playing Germany. And everything was just a slog and a bit miserable. Are you, are you comparing Germany to a... a- a rubbish dive i'm comparing anything in the world of paul mccartney at this stage because that's where it was and that's where he is and i think he doesn't see that anymore yeah and uh, he he would go to like a town hall and perform and nobody would turn up you know it mm. was just so they would just play and all the celebrities have these stories but he was telling a story that he was driving across the pennines in northern england which is really sort of moorland it's very desolate freezing cold in the winter really um windswept and snowy and if you're going to get stuck anywhere in your vehicle you're going to get stuck there <laughs> and this was in the days before mobile phones and sort of um breakdown services and they were driving along in their vehicle which is a transit van um no seats in the back no mod cons it was just basically what you would lug rubbish and carpets around and sofas and and all those kind of things anyhow it slipped in the snow and it went down a bank and they were laying there sort of at an angle at the bottom of this bank and somebody said well what are we going to do now and somebody said i don't know but something will happen and he said, and that became the mantra of the Beatles. But as long as we were out there doing stuff, something would happen. And he can look back and he says, yeah, because we went to that bar, we met that person. And because we did this, we met that person. And I'm a great believer in that. I'm a great believer that when my business went down was when I bought into the myth that online business was about just sitting there magically making things occur, getting buttons on there that people would just click and make money. Hmm. I stopped connecting with offline and I went into a big slump. And once I decided that there was no difference between online and offline, and so if somebody comes along to me, I will talk to them and I will connect with them. And I go down the pub and I meet listeners of the show that's when my business started to flourish because once again i was being active my tuning fault was higher and so the good stuff just happens so it is hokey it is because if your mindset says it's hokey it's going to be hokey but um if you are saying yeah i want you know i've said the same to uh, as us you know oh i want 10 grand 
I want 10 grand. I want to go off on holiday. I don't want to pay for it myself. I want somebody else to give me 10 grand. And I've just been going, I want 10 grand. I want 10 grand. And then suddenly out of nowhere, a customer comes along and then another one, I go, bang, it's done. And I go off on holiday and I don't have to spend anything. That is where life becomes interesting. And that's when I think it becomes sexy. But you're not going to get that sitting on your sofa watching a box set of friends moaning that life is rubbish. Right, right. Yeah. You sit that you sit on the couch doing nothing and you say, I want ten thousand dollars, I want ten thousand dollars. That's really when it doesn't make sense. But you tell you know, the Beatles going and making things happen. And you know, it's interesting because I was I knew we were gonna have this this conversation and and looking at decisions, there were some decisions recently that I traced back to two years ago. They were financial investment decisions that we made. And I would not have been in a position to make those literally if I hadn't made a decision to go to this one event two years ago and made a decision to go up to this one guy and have a discussion with him. And, you know, the life right now that you're in, whether you hate your life or you love your life, is the sum of all the decisions you've made up to now. Now, you may say, well, I hate my life, so I made bad decisions. Well, likely, maybe you didn't make any decisions, which is part of the problem, which is a decision of itself, but it should be empowering, right? Because if you have that vision of where you want to go, right, and whether it's $10,000 in one year, it's a million dollars in two years or whatever it is, then you reverse engineer it to today as if, as if that vision you have for a year from now is in the past. And then you can, you can connect the dots like Steve Jobs said moving forward, starting with the decisions you make right now. Yeah, and, and the fact, Kurt, that, you know, I'm, I'm about to come up to 50 years old. I know that's unbelievable, but I'm just about to come to 50 years old. You don't old. look a day over 48. I know. I, I, I've looked after myself. And <laughs> how many decisions have I made in my life? And I'm still here. I've still got a roof over my head. I'm still, you know. And it, it, you get so bogged down sometimes that the next decision has to be right. Or that decision was a game changer. Nothing's a game changer. You just make another decision. You just work around it. And I like it now. It's, it's playful because of that. Yeah, all right, if I screw up, who cares? You know, <laughs> if, if I lose some money, I'll get the money back. It's just what will happen. Nothing goes perfectly all the time. I spend more time learning and upskilling than actually doing sometimes. But I'm still here and I'm still having a good time. And we have a lovely holiday every couple of months, you know, and roof over our head and all those kind of things. Um, there's, there's nothing that can stop you other than yourself. And I think that's really what we're talking about with the, with the Beatles, with Elvis, with everybody out there, with David Letterman and anybody who is, you know, a name that we know, sure. they will have had those moments when they've gone, it's never going to happen. And then right. that is when you either go, right, it's never going to happen or it is going to happen. That those are those moments. And so Kurt will be exactly the same as McCartney and Letterman and Donald Trump, hopefully not as Donald Trump, but, but, <laughs> but everybody else, that you, you stop yourself. And if you just keep on going, just chipping away all the time, join up the dots, it'll take you somewhere. And it's a, it's a fun place. You know, when you thinking about the story about the Beatles and playing to no one, right? But if we keep, if we keep doing stuff, it's going to happen. You know, the world of podcasting at the beginning when you first start it can be 
lonely, right? Because it's not like YouTube or LinkedIn or somewhere where you put something out and there's like instant gratification sometimes in terms of likes or views or shares, right? Not that those mean anything in many cases, but with podcasting, it's always good. You know, our common friend, Neil Hughes, once called me up and said, I just want to let you know, I listen to your podcast. Great job. Because I know sometimes you don't hear anything, right? You don't hear anything back. Sometimes it's more often than not, you don't hear anything. Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely. And when you, you know, someone, I think two months ago tweeted uh, out my podcast and that had an effect on their life. And I hadn't heard anything from anyone, you know, in two months, except, yeah. you know, you see a graph in Libsyn, which I don't even check anymore. So when you started, how long did it take for you to stop feeling like you were throwing things into the ether? And, and playing in the middle of nowhere and playing in rubbish bars like the Beatles were to having a feeling like, okay, wow, I'm having an impact here. First episode, this is funny, actually, the very first episode I released, I assumed that I would go out to crickets and pretty much I did. Um, I think the very first day that I released a show, I got 44 people and I, I, done it, a good build-up. I'd advertised on Facebook, coming soon and next day and one day to go and all that. And I thought I was building up this great thing. And I literally, I probably got those 44 listens by listening myself to see if it was working. You know, <laughs> it, it really was small, small potatoes. But on that first episode, a lady from Arizona, and I still wish I had it now, sent me an email and said, David, thank you so much for releasing that. I don't know how she found it, I don't wow. know, you know, but, but she found it. And she said, I listened all the way through, really enjoyed it, keep going. And I wow. thought, wow, wow. Now, I kind of thought at that stage, oh, every time I release an episode, I'm going to get a nice email. Doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> and more often than not, you get horrible emails more than nice ones. Um, but yeah, it was the very first moment that I realised that my words were making a difference. And you're absolutely right. I, I have people now that come out of the woodwork, they email me and they say, David, I've listened to every single episode that you've... Now, I've done 2,000 episodes. And they say, wow. I've listened to every single one. And it's the first time that they've sent me a line. And it kind of blows my mind. I think, you know, why? But then I realised, Kurt, and this is the problem with podcasting, was we have to make money by gaining interaction with the audience. And a lot of us do it, and I certainly made a big mistake on this, as like a radio show. And with radio, you turn on your breakfast TV radio or whatever, and you listen to it. I've never sent an email to my radio station. Never. I just listen right. to it and then turn it off and stuff. And I think that's the failing with the podcast that, and it takes me back to the online offline and there's no difference, is that we shouldn't be too professional that people don't realize that we are there to be contacted you know, mm. and there to be asked questions and stuff. Because I certainly started off thinking it was going to be a business and it wasn't. It was a slog, you know, it was, and it was a slog for a long time. But I listened back to it now and I think, yes, I was learning. And I did 365 shows in a year, um, hour plus, um, doing everything myself. So I learned a lot in that time. But if I went back in time, I would have, for example connected with that woman who emailed me and said, come on the next show, you know, and made it more engaging. But I don't think we do. I think we just blast it out, expecting the yeah. world to accept us and connect with us, but they don't. They just listen and say, thank you very much. 
Hey, what's up, fellow freedom fighters? Listen, are you in operations in the C-suite and human resources? Hell, are you anyone who's interested in building a team of superheroes? Well, guess what? I got a treat for you. We launched my latest podcast. It's called Team of Superheroes. We talk about employee engagement. We talk about leadership. You know what? Instead of putting warm butts in seats and trying to engage them podcast teaches you how and empowers you to empower your individual team members to unleash their unique superpowers to achieve key outcomes. They're more fulfilled, which means they're more engaged, which means they're more productive, which means they and you are more profitable. Go and check out the Team of Superheroes podcast here on iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you over there. You know, I've heard stories for, oh yeah, it was the 300 episode mark where there was nothing, 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 and then it took off, or it's a two-year mark, or it's whatever mark. Did you have more of a, a, a gradual increase, or did you notice, you know, suddenly you hit it, and boom, and it, it, it blew up? Yeah, boom. I, I, I got to a point when I was getting 25,000 a day people coming to, wow. which, is, which is huge. Um, but... It was killing me. I was spending more time making Instagram images and mm. Facebook images and sending it all out, and I wasn't enjoying it. I just wasn't enjoying it, and it was just a slog. And I was doing literally 20-hour days because what I didn't realise was the majority of people out there who have successful shows, number one, they're not as successful as they make out, and secondly, <laughs> right. they're not doing it on their own. They've got a team of Filipinos doing this and right. that and stuff, you know. I didn't realise that. I kind of thought what people were doing was exactly as I was doing, but I was doing everything myself. So I got to a point where I literally was falling to pieces. I, I, I had hmm. extreme burnout. Um, and at that point, I made a pivotal decision, and it was the best decision that I ever made in anything I've ever done. And that was... It's not about numbers. It's not about growth. It's about how can I make the smallest company the most profitable? Okay. Mm. And that started to spin it on its head. And I didn't really actually understand how to do it because for me, my audience was the audience. But then I thought to myself, no, actually, I'm not getting anything from this audience. I'm getting the numbers and I can say to people, ah, yeah, I've got this and I've got that. But actually in my bank account, I wasn't getting anything at all. So what was the point? And so I stopped all the promoting and my audience went all the way down. Mm. And then I thought to myself, okay, I've got to a base level now. Let's work from that. And so if you listen to Join Up Darts, I, I really don't do any social media at all. I, I just podcast and throw it out. Um, but when somebody comes through to me, I nurture that relationship. Hmm. And I, I will speak to them and I will help them. Um, and then probably, you know, six months down the line, they suddenly come out of the woodwork and they say, I'm ready to invest now. You know, they weren't right at that time. They were just testing the water. But that was when it changed. Don't go for the ocean and swim around drowning. Go for the little pool. And that little pool, you can make it as profitable as you want. And so, yeah, I, hmm. I'm obsessed with anti-scale, as I call it now, you know, and when people say to me, yeah, oh, I'm getting these numbers, I say, yeah, but how many of those are ending up in your bank account? 
Right. And more often than not, they can't answer because it's just like a weird number that they're quoting. Same with Twitter, same with Facebook and all of that. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. Um, actually, I was just on a podcast earlier today that's about podcasts, uh, casting the pod. And uh, we were talking about this. I call it kind of the law of the few. There's a lot of people, you know, I just published a book. And when people, I know some authors who go into publishing a book thinking, I'm going to make money directly off the book sales. And I'm not saying you can't, but the amount of people who do that in any given year is extremely small. Even the best-selling authors aren't making much money off their book sales, Mm. but you make money off taking the book and getting workshops and getting those types of things. There are people who go into podcasts and they get so obsessed with that person's getting 100,000 downloads. I need 100,000 downloads. And it's like, I've talked to people who are getting 100,000 downloads and they're not making any money. I get much smaller audience, but I know who I'm making money from as I go. And LinkedIn, I got obsessed with, there were times I was getting 300,000 views on a video, making no money. Mm. But then I get 500 views on a video because I was focused, I reverse engineered who I wanted to impact versus just trying to get views and I made money. And so it's really that law of the few, which I'm so glad you talked about. And, you know, it, I get caught up in the, So when you talk about, say, authority marketing, right, or expert marketing, there's a lot of folks, well, there's a lot of firms who make money, but it's a churn and burn of clients because they can only make money off one client for so long by selling big numbers. We're going to get you clicks. We're going to get you all this. We're going to get you this. And after six months, the client's like, well, I'm not making money. You're done. But those firms talk a big game. And so they just go from client to client to client to client Hmm. to client. And then there's some firms who do things like, well, we're going to get you a story here. We're going to get you a story there. Maybe a LinkedIn article once every two weeks. And you realize it's kind of that anti-scale you talked about. It's less, but it's more impactful. And it's not just this, uh, the, the, the amount of people I talk to who are so active on Instagram, who are not selling thongs or, 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 you know, or doing naked pictures on Instagram who are like, oh, I got 5,000 followers or 10,000 followers. I, I don't get anything out of it. And it's like, just stop doing it. And I tell that to myself and I still do it, you know? Because the thing ex- is, the yeah. amount of experts that come through to me and they say, oh, David, you know, and they're always promoting their wares. And uh, they're always saying, yes, we are a social media expert. We're a digital marketing agency and stuff. And we would like to talk. And I say to them, I always say to them, can you guarantee your results? And they say, no. And I go, then we're not talking. You know, if if you can say to me that you can make this happen, then fine. But if you're just taking my money and throwing it out to the wind, I don't need it. Yeah, but have you thought about doing this and have you thought about doing that? And I say, I have thought about it all, believe me. (laughs) You know, there's not much that has gone past me in the last 15 years that I haven't thought about. But if you can't guarantee results, then I'm not paying for you. And, you know, I I was speaking to a guy who... um, was running an events company and he has got 14 people on his team now. And one of them is only paid if they fill 50% of the chairs in an event. So that's it. That's their metric. So he says, it's up to you. You can do it any way you want, but if you get 50% of those chairs filled with bottoms, then we will pay you. If not, you're not going to get paid. Well, number one, it makes that company or that person work harder Um, And secondly, you've then got them on a retainer that works. And so you look at it and you go, yeah, they did that. Okay, they're good, they're reliable, 
I've had them in the future. You know, I will pay for that. But it, it, it winds me up, Kurt, the amount of people that come to me that say, I'm an expert on this. Um, and it's all this sort of Instagram and Pinterest and all that kind of stuff. And you go yeah. over and you look at them. And number one, they was working in Taco Bell on Monday. And then they're suddenly an Instagram expert <laughs> on Tuesday. Right. And you go over to their profile. They've got hardly any followers or anything anyway. And you think, well, surely you should have more followers than anyone to be able to say that you are an expert in getting those followers. I just don't understand it. Other than it's a desperation metric that, you know, somebody once said that 50% of my marketing works, I just don't know which 50%. Right. You know, mm-hmm. somebody said that. And I think that is what we're talking about here. Once again, it's scaling the scale sense without knowing exactly who you're working for, exactly where your market is and exactly where your results are. And if you strip it down smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to the point of, is my ideal client next door to me? You know, because they could be, they could be your next door neighbor. And so why not go and knock on their door and say, you've got 15 minutes, do you want to have a chat or whatever, you know? But of course we don't, we go further and further field and you think that, you know, I'm in just outside London and I've got to have clients in New Orleans to be successful. But actually, if you look at the amount of people in your road, you probably would have a great living if you can find something that these people want and are willing to pay for and are willing to pay for frequency. Uh, frequently you know and um it just just blows me away why everything is bigger and bigger and bigger i'm a bit ranty you've got me no no i love it i love it and and you tell i mean a hundred percent of your clients come through your podcast right yeah yeah um yeah yeah i would say so i don't do much more Uh, they might stumble into my world in other ways um but pretty much yeah through the podcast so let's talk, you, you talked about being in that job that you didn't like and getting out of it, which is interesting. I would have to say, I didn't actually want any clients. You know, I wanted to be a podcaster, like a radio mm. host, just doing the podcasting bit. And I got to a point that I realized that's hard, you know, just to do that, just to get the numbers up enough to get this sponsorship constantly, you know, all, all that kind of things that people talk about. I don't think anyone nowadays can do a podcast without actually having clients and stuff. I, I just Yeah, there's I'm probably just, like a fraction, like maybe Joe Rogan, yeah, right? Yeah. Or very, very Tim Ferriss or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even Tim Ferriss, I mean, he make someone was just telling me he charges $150,000 per speech. So he's making money elsewhere yeah. um, too. And, and it was interesting. I think maybe a month or two ago, Tim Ferriss tried to do tried to make his podcast paid. I can't remember what he did, but would you, would you support this podcast if it was paid? And all those millions of followers said no. Hmm. Um, so you, you talked about leaving your corporate job and moving into podcasting and almost killing yourself once you did that, right? You wanted freedom and then you created a prison. What do you think, and you work with, I definitely want to get into this, you, you work with folks who want more freedom, who want to anti-scale, who want to break free that prison. From your own experience in being in that corporate prison and working with others, what are the common traits of corporate workplaces that are toxic in nature? I think nowadays they're a lot more toxic due to the fact that we have the ability to see sexy lifestyles 
You know, when, when mm. I was back in the 1980s, I used to go up to London every day and it was what you did. And you went up there and you did your work and then you come home and you went up there the next day. We had no internet. We just had in trays of paper and you'd get there and you'd fill out these in trays. And at the end of it, you had no work. Or you could go home. It was simple as that. Nowadays, I think it's a lot more toxic because we want more. And mm. I think that every single family... It's, I was having a word with my mum, and my mum raised us in the 70s. And she always says, oh, we were tight of money in the 70s. You wouldn't know how little we had. And I said to her, yeah, I, I guarantee you didn't have much, but you didn't have as much as you got to spend out on nowadays. <laughs> you know, nowadays, if you haven't got the internet, you're, you know, you're the Amish or something. You know? <laughs> right. it, it, it's, it's almost impossible. And I was looking at it in our house. You know, we've got Netflix. Could you get rid of Netflix? Well, you could, but there'd be uproar. Okay. Um, then you have got the you, you've got the mobile phones that my kids have. Then you've got this, and then you've got that. You're literally having to go out to work just to pay for the things that ultimately you could get rid of, but then you leave yourself isolated from connection with others. You know, um, right. where people talk about binge watching. You know, it's it's the thing. Have you seen Game of Thrones? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen any of them. You know, um, but my family have. And that's their connection. And so I do think that in answer to your question, it is, uh, it's, it's very, very difficult to be happy in a corporate job now because you can see a different way of living. And if you're bombarded with those images of seeing a different way of living, little by little, you're going to go, why not me? You know, mm. it, ha it happened to me. It's happened to every single one of my guests on Join Up Dots that they get to a point and they go, I want that naively you don't get that because what you do understand you understand how to do this you know i can talk for a living I, i've spent 20 years getting up on stage and, and doing speeches and all that kind of stuff and i could just talk for a living um and so naturally i thought that by talking for a living that would be a business no it's not you know first of all you've got to pe get people to believe that you're good at talking for a living and then you've got to understand marketing and then you've got to get a website done and you get all this stuff so you go from that corporate job where you go to work saying it's rubbish this is terrible i'm working like a slave do they know how much work they get out of me to actually working for yourself and going my god i'm doing three times as much as i used to get you know and i'm not earning any money at this at all you know that is the difference and you, so you work with, you coach people. Uh, I don't know if you like, if you, you like the word coaching or training, or some people don't like certain words, but you work with people yeah. who maybe have said and reach out to you because they want a different way of living. Um, and they've seen that. So where do you start with someone? Because, you know, you have, and I love it that, I mean, you haven't had a smartphone, all those things you mentioned that are ways of connecting now, you don't have. I assume there's some people who come to you who are like, th that, that's scary as hell. <laughs> it, well, it, it is. I don't, I don't push that onto anyone else. You know, if they want to hmm. be connected, it's totally up to them. Um, it's something that people are interested in at their core. I think that generally people would like to operate like me where I come to this setup here where I am and then I turn it off and that's it. I'm off grid, you know, and people, I, I say to them, look, I, I'm turning off now. You won't get me for a week 
and they go, well, how can I communicate with you? I go, well, I just told you, you won't be able to get me for a week. Yeah, but <laughs> but how, how, how are you dealing with the messages? Next week, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think they can't quite grasp the fact that it's doable. <laughs> so when I um, teach people, one of the things I'm very big at is saying to them, it is much better to have a keep your lights on figure, first of all. So how much money do you need to keep, not luxuries, but standard? Because most people come to me and they're earning, I say, say 100 grand a year at a corporate job. And they go, oh, I, I need to earn 100 grand a year. And I go, no, you don't. I say, you, you can go down massively if it means you've got free time to then build it up again to wherever you want. So what's your keep the lights on figure? Well, 70 grand. Rubbish. Let's go down. <laughs> Let's go down. Let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of that. I say, you know, there is a certain level that you can hear. Now, once you get to that and the penny drops with people, generally it's liberation. And they actually mm. realise that, you know, I'm working to pay for this stuff that actually I'm not using because I'm working. You know, I'm paying for this big house, but I'm never in this big house because I'm always at work. Or I'm paying for this flash car, but I go to work on the train and when I come home, it's still sitting on the driveway five days a week, all that kind of stuff. So once I get to that certain level, I say, what is your keep the bigger light on? And we say, okay, it's not 10 grand a month as I thought, it's actually 1,500, okay? I say to them, okay, let's look at what we can do to earn 1,500 from one client. You know, you don't want 1,500 clients and paying you a dollar each. You want one client that pays you 1,500 and then you've got the rest of the time off. And once again, that is a kind of penny drop where they think, actually, once again, less is more. You know, I only actually need two clients a month or I only need one every six months or, or whatever. Um, but it's very difficult to get people to buy into that because they're not willing to sacrifice what they already got. You know, yeah. they want to maintain that lifestyle. They want the four holidays a year. Now, I was comfortable to go down to almost nothing, and I went beyond nothing. I wouldn't go back in time and do that, <laughs> but I, I went down so tight that I literally didn't need that much money to operate. Mm -hmm. Um but I had seven days a week to work on everything else to build it up, you know. Sure. Um, does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, 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 it does. It does. I call it, uh, I ask my clients, what is your, what's your destitution level? Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the number under which, and, uh, you know, and some of it is, you know, when I left, um, it's funny, I had someone call me yesterday who's still friends with someone at one of my former clients that I write about in my book, but don't give names, anything. You know, I'm not, I, I don't do that. Oh, they're, they're upset you wrote about them in their book. I said, well, I didn't give names or anything, but I said, that person is upset because they told me they wish they could do what I live, did, but they can't. And I said, you can't? You're not an autonomous human being. And to them, it's like, all right, well, they live in a certain big city here in the United States, which has an extreme cost of living where they could move to the Midwest or they could move to the South, make much less, but they don't want to give up certain things, the car, the address, the prestige of whatever. And, and it's like, don't say you can't, you can, you're consciously choosing or subconsciously as it is choosing not to. Um, and that those choices are the. Cause I've, I've got thing. a dream really. My dream is, is simplicity. You know, I, I had burnout. 
and I had such bad burnout that I was six weeks from a stroke or a heart attack. And my cholesterol was sky high. My hair was falling out. People were saying, you look terrible, but they still wanted to pile more and more more on Hmm. me. Um, And so now I have this dream that I live on an island and I get up each morning and the first few hours is going to get a loaf of bread or something, you know. Um, Then I come back and I operate within my means. And so when I do my business now, I operate in island mentality Hmm. that people come across to me and they say, oh, yeah, David, I'd like to speak to you. I say, yeah, no problem at all. Go over to my booking system. Oh, those times don't work for me. I don't care. Yeah. To be honest, you know, I, I really don't care. Well, are, are you opening any other slots? No, that that's it, you know. Um, and I I think of my business that somebody's got to row to get to me. Now, what <laughs> that gave that. me was the ability to say no and the ability to make myself more valuable to people. And I saw, I saw a celebrity. Who was it? Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. When he first did The Office, he kept on getting asked to do Hollywood films. And uh, he kept on saying no, 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 all the time. And apparently he was sitting with Samuel Jackson and um, said, look, they're going to stop asking me. You know, I say no to everything. And Samuel Jackson said, don't underestimate the power of no, you know. And I remember not understanding what he meant, but kind of in my psyche understanding it as well. Because the more you can restrict access to you, the more that somebody wants you, has to work harder to get you, more often than not, they're the perfect client. And so the people that I speak to now literally have to jump through, you know, hoops. They've got to make themselves available. Um, But when they come through, there's normally a connection because they actually want me. They've rode to my shore. Um, And that's, that's another journey you've got to go on because we've all had crappy customers. We've all had the ones that want a billion pounds worth of effort from you for $50 and they're never happy with it. But the ones that come along make an effort to get to you, they will pay easier and they sit back and let you do what you do because that's what they're paying you for. You know, it's just a, it's, it's a real way, weird way of operating. Once again, anti-scale. It's funny. Yeah, it, it, even some of the roadblocks, like uh, I've put up an application to work with me, the application in and of itself will, they can't do it. Mm. Um, you know, it's like the, sometimes the roadblocks don't even have to be that big. Um, are, are, well, I guess this could be two separate questions, but when you look at your audience, I guess, podcast wise, and you look at your clientele, is it global? Is it UK only? Is it UK, US? Global. Um, it's global. global. Um, I've got a lady just after here who I spoke to, must have been about a year and a half ago, and she suddenly came out of the woodwork and she said, I loved what we talked about last time. I'm now ready to invest. Um, and she's LA. I've got another guy that's lined up who is Virginia. Okay. I've got a lady in Mauritius. Um, I've got another lady in Indiana that's, that's thinking okay. about things. Um, I've got a guy in the United Kingdom. Um, and I, I, I stumbled across it. As I say, I didn't want to be a coach. I didn't want to be all this. But I actually, once you get into it, I like it because I like being with people. I like connecting with people. I like talking to people. And I like seeing that moment when people go, ah, 
I don't have to put all that effort in. I just have to put the right effort in. Mm. I can sit there and I can work out what I need to do to make it happen. And it's not splish, splash, blosh. You know, when I, when I started join up dot six years ago, uh, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, he, he was everywhere. And one of the things he used to say was be everywhere, you know, get your message out everywhere. Um, now I don't see him at all. It's, it's almost like he's retired. It, it might be that I'm just not looking in that direction, but it used to be sort of everywhere. And so I bought into that myth of be everywhere. Um, mm. But now I say to people, no, don't be everywhere. Be in the right place, you know, um, and just operate in that right place. Really think about your customer. Think about ownership. And this is the sexy thing that I, I've discovered recently, Kurt, is how, where is great. You know, that, that, that is your business. How can I, now as soon as somebody says that, they're actually asking for a solution to something, okay? So how can I solve this rash? Right, <laughs> they've got a problem, so they're actually looking. Everything is built around sales funnels, and we know that sales funnels is about awareness, consideration, and buying. So the idea of a sales funnel is, first of all, you have the broadest level of awareness. So when somebody comes across to you, um, they go, oh, this is interesting. I didn't realize, you know. Um, and then consideration when they come back and then they sort of like start making a decision. Um, I now think to myself, I don't want a sales funnel. I just want the buying bit at the bottom. And by actually phrasing my content into solving specific questions, where can I, you know, I'm building a company with a guy at the moment, um, New Orleans, and it's a, it's a flight business. And he is, he's going for it. He's amazing. I've never known a, a, a guy to put so much effort in. I keep having to say to him, you know, slow down. You're, you're, you're going to come to a sticky end, as we say. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> just, just slow down and let's think of it through the right way. But all we're doing with his business is looking at local search and answering that question. <laughs> so how can I learn to fly in New Orleans? brilliant if you can get to the top in that and more often not you can quite easily because it's such a um wide search but it's so specific as well you don't have to pay a lot for cost per click and google pushes you up to the ranks because nobody else is targeting that but you can already see that how can i learn to fly in louis uh, in new orleans somebody's actually wanting to do that they're local so you're going to be found. And that's how I build all my businesses now. I constantly think, what's the smallest problem that I can drag back into my world? Um, and then you, you get to the paid top of Google all the time. You know, it's, it's just not hard. You bash out a bit of content. Two days later, you're sitting quite nicely. Do another one. I think, I might I, I think I'm going to title this episode, Think Small. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone wants to, you know, think big. And, and I love the quote, you, you know, you don't have to put in all that effort. You have to put in the right effort, mm. which so many people flail. Every, I, when I give talks, I go up there and I, you know, I do speeches. And I get people fired up. And I, you know, a lot of, if you agree, say I, I, you know, doing that and do that right in a row. And then I say, all right, say I, if you love pornography, you know, no one, no, yeah. And I say, oh, get, you know, get your heads out of the gutters. I'm talking about the hustle and grind pornography, hmm. you know, in terms of that you think you have to do everything. And it's a constant push and pull for me. So um, this is a very refreshing talk. And I, I constantly have to remind myself, do less, but do 
do the right things, talk to the right people. And, um, you know, the best thing that I, I do now and once again, I, I don't want to sound like a hippie. I don't want to sound, you know, <laughs> hokey. Um, but I bought into the grind. You know, I used to talk about hustle muscle. And if you go back in time on my show, it was all about uh, the hustle muscle. And the more you hustle, the muscles get stronger and all that kind of stuff. I say to people now, the best thing that I get is looking at the sun. You know, I, I put my head up and I look at the sun and I feel warmth and I feel calmness and I realise that that's what life should be. It shouldn't mm. be under fluorescent lights. It shouldn't be hustling. It shouldn't be doing this. If you're doing all that, you're not thinking about the end goal. You know, I've got this thing, who really wants it? Now, the problem is that a lot of the things that we do, people don't want it enough. So like a guy that we're building a business at the moment, he's doing tremendously well. He's getting about eight customers a day land on his website and he's making a living, right? That's brilliant. And that that tells you how I think about business now. It's not about 10,000 people, it's eight. But he is doing mobilemechanicuk.com. And he was a, a mechanic and he came to me and he said, oh, I'm fed up with doing that. I'm fed up with messing around with cars. And I said, yeah, but you know it. You know it inside out. And I said, and with local businesses, so many of them are struggling for traffic. You know, they can do things. They can decorate a house, but they don't know how to get the customers to find them. I said, Mm. let's build a business based on that. Well, he argued and argued, but now he's got this business that's sort of rocking and rolling. And the beauty of it is, is it's the pain point. People want their car fixed. They need their car fixed. So when they come to him, they're almost ready to buy already. You know, as long Mm. as the quote is decent, you know, then it's done. And I think that's, once again, we don't delve down into where somebody's already got their wallet open. And I know this sounds cynical, but certainly, you know, I can teach somebody to build an online business. I can teach it remarkably well. I can teach it so that they, they're totally in control of everything, you know. But do they really need that? Well, more often than not, I don't. You know, they're at work. And you get a lot of people going, oh, I would love this, David. I'd love this. And then you talk to them and they go, oh, how much is it going to cost? And and uh, how much time and, and all that, you know. Once you get to that pain point, that pain point of, I've got a killing toothache. Yeah, it's going to cost 400 quid and the pain solved. 400 quid. Take it out. Boom. That's where your business is. And I think there's an awful lot of local businesses that operate on that pain point plumbers you know if you come home and you've got water all across your floor you know brilliant that's a business those plumbers don't know how to get traffic so let's get them the traffic and you sit Mm. back taking 20 percent of it yeah no one cares about their logo their bells their whistles their anything they just want they want the plumber fixed and they may not even remember what the plumber looks like well certainly his face they might remember the sticky end right yeah (laughs) yeah the bit poking up as you as you look at them yeah yeah Well, David, Ralph, I want to thank you for coming on the Freedom Club podcast. This has been a fascinating discussion for me. And it's what I love doing podcasts because I learn a lot. And that island mentality, I'm going to use myself. um, And, uh, you know, we'll have to do an event sometime and, and, and free some people up and get them that island mentality together. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolute delight, Kurt. Absolute delight. You're, you're, you're a master at the game. 
<laughs> Thank you. Likewise. David Ralph, everyone, look up Join Up Dots. Go listen to the podcast. You can be one of his 7 million listeners per week. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. It's yeah. all about small. <laughs> exactly. The law of the few. Thank you so much, David. Cheers, mate.